Hi, welcome to our first episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Darby Toth, a technical services field representative with Western United Dairies. And I'm Melissa Lima, the North Coast and Organic Field Services Rep, also with Western United Dairies. And we're so pleased to have you join us for our first episode of Seen and Heard. This podcast is just one way we're working to bring you industry news and updates during this new normal we're all experiencing in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope our content will be a welcome addition to your week and that this endeavor will continue for years to come. Darby, what have we got on the, on the docket today? Well, as we move into our podcast, we're going to start off with a message from the president of the West United Dairies Board of Directors, Devin Gialetti. And then we're going to be joined by Annie, who's going to give us a market update, and Paul Souza, who's going to give us an environmental update. Our CEO, Anya, is going to discuss a recent press conference held by Western United Dairies. And then you and I are going to talk about the new SBA small business loans. And we're going to wrap it up once again with Annie discussing price support. One thing we really want to focus on, Darby, is having member-driven content for this podcast. So we invite everyone who's listening to send questions, comments, and segment ideas to us. As always, you can reach out to your field reps directly through our emails, phone calls, or text messages. Or if you'd like, you can send ideas directly to our new email address, which is wud.pod at gmail.com. That's wud.pod at gmail.com. Well, why don't we jump right into it? Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. My name is Devin Gilletti, and I am currently serving as president of Western United Dairies. This podcast is one of many changes we have made to the way we deliver information to our members. Hopefully you find it informative, convenient, and entertaining. A little bit about myself. I, along with my parents and my brother, operate our dairy in Turlock, California. My grandparents started this dairy in 1942 with 10 cows and 10 heifers. I myself have been on the board of Western for six years. Western United has always been important to our family. It's where we gain a lot of valuable uh, knowledge and insight on our ever-changing and increasingly volatile industry. I mean, if you would have told me just a few months ago that by April, the stock market would lose a third of its value, that 6 million people would file for unemployment in the United States, that milk prices would drop from $17, $18 down to 12, and that I would have to be a part-time kindergarten teacher to my six-year-old daughter because all of the schools in California have closed. I wouldn't have believed you. I don't think anybody would have. The only thing I would have believed is that the milk price dropped because that seems to happen a lot. Well, nobody knows what's gonna happen in the next few months. But what I do know is that dairy farmers are always stronger when they work together. There are already a lot of good ideas coming forward from the board and from our CEO, like increasing the tier one milk production level to the dairy market coverage program and reopening uh, enrollment for 2020 so people can get coverage if they miss that opportunity. If you have any questions about these programs, please reach out to our talented field reps. They will gladly help you inform you on these programs and help you enroll if you haven't yet. Thank you for your time, and I wish you all the best in the, in the coming months. Thank you so much, Devin, for your encouraging words. We'll look forward to connecting more with our association's leadership, including Devin and the executive committee, in future episodes. For now, I'm going to throw it over to Annie with this week's market update. 
and it's now time for a market update. Um, there's no good way to say this, but things overall are not looking up. That said, doesn't mean that we can't find a small glimpse of positive here and there, and this is just what powder prices did this week. In an unexpected turn of events, USDA's non-fat dry milk price actually gained some value. Everything has been going down in the CME, but USDA prices sometimes lag, and they did pretty well this week. The gain was five and a half cents, and that brought the powder price to $1.773 per pound. A um, little disclaimer, though, at 13 million pounds, the sales volume is the lowest since the first week of January. And since the monthly price is a weighted average, this higher price will have less of an impact on April's average price. Still, an improvement these days is welcomed regardless of the weight. The average skim milk powder price at the latest global dairy trade auction moved in the opposite direction, but the decline was small, just a penny, and it brought the price to $1.14 a pound, which is still above where U.S. prices are. Moving on to cheese, in the midst of all the disappointing pricing news out there, black cheese actually managed a fairly small decrease of only 0.68 cent. And that almost feels like a win considering how much things have been declining in that category uh, recently. This brought the price to $1.8215 this week. Barrels, though, weren't as strong, and they dropped 4.68 cents to $1.4784. With all the significant declines of the CME, the USDA cheese prices continue to see declines, and we should, um, unfortunately, continue to see that in the upcoming weeks. The spot barrel price landed at a terrifying dollar a pound today at the CME. That's a 20-year low. The precipitous drop is certainly rooted in the excess supply that's burdening the market right now. Warehouses are busting at the seams um, that create a supply chain bottleneck, and it's currently sending signals to producers across the country that there's too much milk. Um, at this really low price level, the U.S. has the cheapest price uh, cheese in the world. So certainly there might be some export opportunities to move uh, some of the excess outside our borders, uh, provided transportation logistics can make that work. In Oceania, to give you an example, the spot cheddar price reported by Dairy Market News averaged $2.02 a pound this week. Moving on to butter, um, they continued their recent uh, declining trend. They, lose, they lost just over $0.07 cents this week to $1.6209. And just like cheese, CME prices are a glimpse in the future. So spot butter prices there settling at $1.25 uh, a pound. Um, this a little bit of an idea of uh, the direction our USDA prices are heading toward. Outside our borders, the average butter price of the global dairy trade auction managed a gain of five cents this week, landing at dollar ninety-three per pound. Um, but while Oceania is holding on and doing pretty good, the butter price in Western Europe is melting as fast as the U.S. According to Dairy Market News Sprite Survey, um, the average butter price across the pond was a dollar twenty-eight per pound, um, down fifty cents from just a month ago. Um, to end this uh, market update, uh, just a quick note on USDA dry wood prices. Um, they gained 0.24 cents this week to uh, 37 cents, uh, 37.67 cents per pound. Um, they've really been hovering in that 30 cent range for uh, many weeks now, and so the stability in this otherwise very chaotic environment uh, has certainly been welcomed. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks, Annie, for keeping your finger on the pulse of the markets for our members. Unfortunately, at the rate things are looking, Annie may have to swap nicknames with our next presenter. On the docket, our very own Mr. Sunshine, Paul Souza, Director of Environmental Affairs, bringing you an update on everything you need to know about running your dairy during this coronavirus crisis when dealing with regulators. Take it away, Paul.
Hello, this is Paul Souza with Western United Dairies. I handle all things environmental on dairies in California. If you ever have any questions, feel free to give me a call or email me. I'll leave my email at the end of my section of this podcast. I wanted to give a short update on the environmental issues given our current circumstances. Most routine environmental issues are not essential, and many agencies have postponed actions that have people out in the field to reflect that fact. For example, the San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District is open for business through phone and emails and is expediting permits related to COVID-19. However, they are not conducting routine site visits. The California Dairy Quality Assurance Program has temporarily postponed third-party evaluations, and the Central Valley Dairy Representative Monitoring Program is delaying some of its field activities with concurrence from the regional board. This makes sense both from controlling disease transmission and avoiding interrupting dairy farmers that are already busy keeping food on the table in these challenging times. The one exception to this is the Central Valley Regional Water Quality Control Board. They are still out conducting routine inspections, though they have streamlined these into spot checks. During these spot checks, they will only be looking at the facilities and will not be entering any buildings or reviewing paperwork. They backed off of the routine inspections and changed to the spot checks due to our request that they temporarily postpone routine inspections altogether. If you have an inspection scheduled with a Central Valley Water Board, you should be expecting that they will show up. The notice to comply letters that would start the CV SALTS timelines have been delayed by at least 60 days. Along with the letters, the timelines are also being delayed because the letters are what starts the process in motion. In other news, the Dairy Digester Research and Development Program and the Alternative Manure Management Program have had their deadlines extended to April 27th if you're working on an application for those programs. As things continue to change, I will keep you updated on the latest of what is happening. As always, you can call me or email me at paul at wudairies.com if you have an environmental question that you need help with. Thank you. This is Anya Radabaugh, and I'm the CEO of Western United Dairies. I'm going to talk about Western's new approach to normal, along with some of the major changes our staff has undertaken to continue serving our members throughout California. The office is rotating who is on site so that no more than one person is in the office at a time. Our staff, however, remain fully connected and can be reached via cell phone or email throughout the day. In anticipation of the extreme milk price collapse, we have made the decision to cut our expenses by 50%. Our travel is already down significantly but we are further canceling all events that require large outputs of funds. One area, our lobbying and policy focuses in the California State Capitol, have drastically changed this past month. Normal courses of engagement around plant-based school lunch program choices, anti-animal activism, climate change, and water quality have almost ceased entirely. Instead, we've shifted all of our resources in Sacramento to a new public affairs campaign that focuses on humanizing the dairy industry in this time of crisis. Highlighting the safe handling and hard work of our farmers and their employees to get our product to the grocery stores is key. The effort was kicked off this week by holding a large press conference at the Van Groningen New Hope Dairy in Galt. 37 different news crews attended 
and we focused the press coverage on the urgent need for the public to buy local, look for the real milk seal, and help people understand the crisis unfolding on the farm side with the restaurant and school lunch program sectors essentially being shut down. Additionally, we directed the public to make a strong plea to their local grocers to lift the purchase limits at the store, which is currently creating a distorted demand signal to our processors. I'm excited to report and announce that as a result of our press conference, Rayleigh's across California publicly announced that they would help the dairy industry and lift those limits. Save Mart is now following suit. You can see the social media engagement on our Instagram page with the handle What Dairies. The campaign will continue next week by highlighting our dairy employees as family and emphasizing that there is no difference between farmer and farm worker. Highlighting the enhanced safety measures we're taking with the pandemic will be a critical messaging point. We're all in this together and conveying this to the state officials and the public is a start. We've been shifting a lot of Western's office resources to assisting our members and their employees being COVID prepared, which means a lot of translation into Spanish. This new podcast is one way we're really hoping to make a difference in your day. If you have ideas for anything you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, please drop us an email at wudpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk soon. Important updates from the regulatory arena and the office. Thanks so much, Paul and Anya, for joining us today. Next, we'll move into a discussion on SBA or Small Business Administration loans. So we keep hearing about SBA and the PPP loans, all part of the CARES Act and the EIDL program. What exactly does all of this alphabet soup acronym mess mean? Well, we're really thankful that National Milk Producers Foundation brought us a really helpful webinar this past Wednesday. So we learned a little bit more about all of these programs. So starting on March 27th, as we all know, Congress passed the Corona Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, or CARES Act. This package appropriated $349 billion for the Paycheck Protection Program, or the PPP. The PPP is a guaranteed loan program administered by the Small Business Administration, or the SBA. The purpose of the program is to support small businesses and help them to continue their payroll during the coronavirus situation where many businesses have seen um, economic hits or had to close down. The EIDL, or Economic Injury Disaster Loans, is a separate program in the CARES Act that aims to help business owners cover other costs um, related to working capital and operating expenses. Currently, if you log on to the SBA's website, farm businesses are not eligible to apply for the EIDL, but several trade associations are working in hopes to overturn that decision. So we'll have more information in the coming weeks about that. Okay, so if farm businesses, businesses are not eligible for the EIDL, are agricultural producers, farmers, and ranchers eligible for the Small Business Administration's Payroll Protection Program, or the PPP? Absolutely. Ag producers, farmers, and ranchers with 500 or fewer employees whose principal place of residence is the United States are definitely eligible and encouraged to apply for this program. Farms are eligible if, um, number one, the farm has 500 or less employees with U.S. residences, or um, the farm fits within the revenue-based size standard, which is an average receipt of a million dollars annually. 
Additionally, farms can qualify for the PPP if they meet the alternative size standard, um, which is currently, number one, a maximum net worth of the business, not more than $15 million. And number two, the average net income, federal income taxes of the business for two fiscal years before the date of application are not more than $5 million. Okay, so if I'm going to apply, what amount of coverage can I apply for and what costs will the PPP cover? Great question. The eligible um, loan amount for the PPP is 2.5 times the average monthly payroll during the calendar year preceding the application. So for 2009, we look at your calendar year, average out your monthly payrolls, and you can apply for 2.5 times that average. There is a limit of $10 million. Payroll costs, um, in case you're wondering, are defined as salaries, wages and tips of eligible employees, um, cost of employee vacation, um, family leave, medical leave, sick leave, um, any benefits, any retirement costs, and it also covers the cost of all state and local taxes. Great. So if I have H-2A or H-2B workers on my payroll, do they count towards my eligibility and the total possible loan amount I can receive? That's a, another really great question. So when we talk about eligible workers, only employees who have a principal place of residence in the U.S. count towards that eligibility and the calculation of your PPP loan amount. So guest workers or H-2A and H-2B workers do not count. Okay, so to make it even a little bit more complicated, how do sole proprietor farmers provide accurate documentation regarding payroll if they may not take a traditional salary? The SBA requires sole proprietors or independent contractors and other eligible self-employed individuals to provide documentation to their lender that the business was in operation as of February 15th of this year. So if your business was in operation as of February 15th of 2020, the documentation you need to provide includes payroll processor records, payroll tax filings, Form 1099 MISCs, or income and expenses from a sole proprietorship. Borrowers that don't have that kind of documentation must um, provide other supporting documentation, such as bank records, sufficient to demonstrate your qualifying payroll amount. And that may vary lender by lender, so be sure to ask your lenders what you may need to provide them before you begin the application process. Documentation options for payroll tax filings include the following. The IRS Form 941 for quarterly wages, the IRS Form 944 for calendar year wages, state income, payroll, and unemployment insurance filings, QuickBook records, bank repository accounts, and some internally generated profit and loss statements. However, nonprofit organizations also have to include an IRS Form 990, sole proprietors must include an IRS Form 1040 Schedule C, any entity that filed IRS Form 1099 MISC must also include that form with their filings. Seasonal employers have to document the period beginning February 15th, 2019 through June 30th, 2019 and take that average. Okay, so all that being said, how can I apply for the Paycheck Protection Program? The most important thing is to reach out to your local lender to apply for the program. Some farm credit and ag credit offices are working to offer the program, but not everyone. So make sure that you call your branch directly and ask them if they're offering it. And please remember that all the documentation we listed before may vary from lender to lender. They ha could have different requirements for what documentation they need. All right. And if I have any additional questions that maybe weren't quite answered here, where can I go to find that information? 
if we didn't answer your questions here or you need a more in-depth explanation, you can always reach out to us. We do have some resources that we can tap into. So give your field rep a text, a call, or an email. Another really helpful website is the Treasury Department's CARES Act website. They have a very extensive frequently asked questions sheet, and that's where we got a lot of our content um, for today in addition to that webinar we listened to on Wednesday. So that CARES Act website is really helpful. Great. Thanks, Melissa. That was some great information. Hey, everyone. This is Norma Castillo with Western United Dairies and Lecheros Unidos of California. What is Lecheros Unidos de California, you ask? It is a labor program Western United Dairies is offering free. You heard that right, free to our members. It is a way that we have come up with to help you, the dairymen, find the workers you need during this new normal that we are all dealing with. We do the advertising and the interviews for the milkers, pushers, feeders, and outside workers of all experience levels that you, the dairymen, need, which in turn eliminates the amount of people on your dairy and around your herd. So if you need workers on your dairy, let Lecheros Unidos de California help you out. The only thing you have to do is contact our office at 209-527-6453 and ask for Rochelle or Norma. Hablamos Español. Or you can email Rochelle with all your labor needs and questions at Rochelle at WhatDairies.com. We look forward to helping you and your dairy needs. Please feel free to let us know of any other way that we can help you. Thank you. Great info, Norma. Thank you. We encourage members to call Norma or Rochelle for assistance with your immediate labor needs. Our WUD office number, as Norma mentioned, is 209-527-6453. To round things out today, I'm going to throw it back to Darby, who has joined Annie Akmudi, our economist, for a quick update on WUD's work on price support programs at the federal level. Take it away, ladies. All right, I'm here with West United Dairies economist, Annie Akmudi. Hi, Annie, thanks for joining me. Hi, pleasure to be here. So a new proposal has been released by the National Milk Producers Federation, NMPF, and the International Dairy Foods Association, or IDFA, this week. These organizations submitted this proposal to Secretary Purdue uh, to recommend how the funds for the CARES Act should be spent. Annie, how much money are we looking at available for dairy in that fund? So that fund, um, there's $9.5 billion available, but that is not exclusively for dairy. It's for specialty crop producers, livestock producers, um, including dairy um, and other farmers who supply a local food system. So the funds will need to be divided between, you know, all the commodities, basically. Um, so we can't, you also have to keep in mind that that proposal is not yet the official way that the funds will be used because USDA ultimately is the one making the decision. And so they're currently weighing their options. So with each commodity group trying to get as large a share as possible from the available funds, that's what, you know, dairy is trying to do as well. It was really critical to send a unified message uh, really fast. And so the proposal might not be perfect, uh, but it carries the weight of the two largest dairy associations in the U.S. And so that goes a long way. Um, and after carefully weighing the proposal and what's at stake with a timely response, uh, Woods Board joined with Milk Producers Council and California Dairy Campaign and sending a letter of support for this proposal to Secretary Purdue. So Nine half billion in the CARES Act. We're hoping to get as much as we can, basically. All right. Sounds good. Could you give us a brief overview of the main components of this proposal? 
Yes, it can be summarized um, in three major points. Uh, the first one is a supply adjustment adjustment component uh, topped with a dollar assistance. There's a donation program and uh, the reopening of the DMC, the dairy market coverage. Um, the production cutbacks are not necessarily popular with everyone. So that's the uh, supply adjustment component. But with processors currently in the, you know, proprietary processors and co-ops having to dump milk or asking producers to cut back in some cases, it seems cutbacks were going to impact the majority of dairy farmers anyway at some point. So including that in the proposal um, kind of makes that message really clear nationally. Getting a higher milk price on what's actually produced is really the focus of this plan. So this proposal requests a payment of $3 a hundredweight on the milk produced if a producer's volume is 10% lower than his March 2020's baseline. The plan is temporary, so it would be in place from April to September of 2020. The second part of the proposal I mentioned was donations. Um, that's really critical part because moving dairy products out of inventory to the hands of those who need it is really critical at this time, especially when um, unemployment is skyrocketing and a lot of consumers are, you know, their purchasing abilities have been reduced. Finally, the proposal suggests reopening the dairy margin coverage enrollment for 2020. The enrollment for 2020 was in 2019. At the time, margins were looking really good. And so the overall enrollment has been really low for this year. And so that's the third component of this um, proposal. All right. That's a lot to unpack. Thanks so much, Annie. Um, Keep an eye out next week on the podcast. We're probably going to drop a bonus recording episode that's really going to dive in deeper um, into all the facets of this proposal. Um, Thanks for being with us, Annie. No problem. And if there's any questions, uh, you can always send me an email, annie at wrace.com. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks. Well, we just want to really say a big thank you to our contributors for today's episode. Devin Giletti, our Western United Dairies board president. Annie Akmudi, our economist. Paul Souza, our environmental affairs director. Anya Radaba, our CEO. And again, we just really want to encourage folks to reach out to their field reps if they have questions about anything they heard on the podcast today or anything that's affecting their dairy, especially during this time of coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, and we also want this to be a really member-driven podcast. We want to share the content that's important to you and that you'd like to hear. So that being said, please email us any questions, content requests, or comments that you have on this podcast. Our new email is wud.pod at gmail.com. That's wud.pod at gmail.com. And we really look forward to hearing from you. Stay well, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Special thanks to our Western United Dairy 2020 business sponsors, GAR Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, FNR Ag Services, Farm Credit Alliance, Moss Energy Works Incorporated, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We really appreciate our sponsors, and if you'd like to find out more information about being a sponsor for Western United Dairies or for our podcast, please send an email to info at wudairies.com. That's I-N-F-O at W-U-D-A-I-R-I-E-S dot com.